Two guys, two continents, two missionaries, one gospel. You're listening to the Truth Be Known podcast with your hosts, Nathaniel Jolly and Bill Issa. Okay, for you guys out there who are listening to our podcast and you're thinking about doing your own, uh, just real quick in 30 seconds, let me give you a heads up. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. In 30 seconds here, it's absolutely free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which is awesome. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and many more. Also, you can make money from your podcast, which is exactly what I'm doing right now, in 30 seconds with no minimum listenership. It's an awesome place to do your podcast. It's everything you need all in one place. So download the free Anchor app, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started. Super easy. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, go check it out. So without further ado, we'll jump right into our content. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. I'm Bill Issa. As a reminder, before we really get into our topic, Bill, we mention this almost every podcast. We just want to let our listeners know that we have a new email address. We would love to hear your stories, your prayer requests, or even suggestions for the show. So you can email us at truthbeknownpodcast at gmail.com, truthbeknownpodcast at gmail.com. So now today's episode covers what might really be kind of the hottest topic in all of Christendom, especially for your, your average Christian person. And it kind of falls under the category of how to find the will of God for my life. Everyone wants to know that question, right? What is God's will for my life? But we want to specifically narrow it down and talk about the phenomena of reading signs. This is a big thing. Now, right off, Bill, I know our Reformed listeners are going to be thinking, well, of course, that's only found in the charismatic Pentecostal church, but nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I would wager that in the majority of all churches, charismatic, reformed, or otherwise, there are a handful of people in every church that read signs as though they are messages from God. I mean, well-meaning, God-fearing people that are unaware of the theological error in doing this type of thing. Uh, After all, some might say, well, what's the problem with recognizing circumstances that seem to be God speaking to us? Well, here's the answer, and I think the answer is shocking, Bill, and then we'll get into it. Mm. That is a purely pagan practice, the practice yeah. of reading signs and circumstances. What do you think mm-hmm. about that, Bill? Yeah, I totally agree with you, brother, because I grew up in a family that uh, believed most in witchcraft and sorcery. Yes, although uh, my parents were Muslims, but we we really uh, uh, believed in witch doctors. We we could visit them; they could bring them home, and yeah, we were surrounded by the life of signs. Whenever the, the a witch doctor could come at our home, he does what he could do, and then say, "Okay, you're going to see the, this sign." So, I grew up in the life of signs, brother. I agree with you. Witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So sorry, yeah. That's very true. Now, I guarantee that there might be some people who have heard that statement that it's pagan and that it's sorcery and witchcraft, and they're probably gasping for breath because some of these people might be reformed people, right? And they're absolutely appalled that we would say what they're doing is tantamount to witchcraft, that it's a pagan practice. So let's give a few examples. And I think, you know, just to kind of set the tone and tenor for this podcast, we just simply want to point out something that is a huge theological error to warn the body of Christ, right? It's very common in the charismatic Pentecostal church, but 
I would suggest that it is far more common in the Reformed Church than than you would think. It's far more common in the broader evangelical church than anyone would possibly imagine. So I, I've got a couple of stories I want to wow. share, and I think you might have too, Bill. So um, let's just kind of jump in and, and we'll share stories and see where this goes. Mm-hmm. When I was still in the charismatic church, I, I remember this young man that I knew he was in his, I don't know, early twenties or something like that. And I mean, I will never forget the conversations. Uh, I'll never forget the interactions with this guy, but he had been diligently praying for a wife now. So he met this young lady, he fancied her, he really liked her, but he wasn't sure if she was quote unquote, the one from God. And so he wanted to know if it was God's will or not that he pursue this lady. And so he was convinced that God would give him a special sign when he found the right woman to be his wife. So he would say something like this, just listen to this. He would say, I think God is telling me that she'll wear a purple dress. And if she wears a purple dress today, I'll know that God is telling me that woman is the one. And I, I remember a conversation with this guy thinking, have you even talked to the girl at all yet? No, no, he hadn't talked. He hadn't even talked to the girl yet. So this is wow. a girl that he hadn't talked to that he thinks God's, wow. he, she's supposed to be his wife if she wears his purple dress. So guess what? Uh, the girl shows up uh, after he prays this wearing a floral dress and not a purple dress. Uh-huh. Um, so, mm-hmm. right, instead of deciding that clearly that was a sign that she wasn't supposed to be his wife he decided he'd give god another chance right so he oh, said no. okay <laughs> yeah so god yeah i got it wrong the first time so okay okay if she wears a red dress tomorrow then i'll know she is the one and sure enough the next day she shows up wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt right <laughs> so yeah. still this young man was almost driven crazy looking for these signs and at some point you know i i think the guy just gave up on the girl and he never talked to her imagine he never even talked to the girl he just thought there was just, just going to be this fleece moment you know where gideon says okay if let it rain on the fleece and nowhere else so let the girl wear a purple dress and i'll know she's supposed to be my wife it doesn't happen so you know gideon it does happen for gideon but then he says well just in case uh god how about let it rain everywhere else and not on the fleece so the next day he says well let the girl wear a red dress and then she shows up in blue jeans and a t-shirt so um i mean this is the kind of thing that happens a lot in the evangelical church what what about you brother have you seen or heard any of these type of things i mean i know you have i'm I'm eager to hear yeah not not having heard or or seen i i also experienced it i i I walked i trod that road myself many times you know as a pentecostal believer we really believed in signs and yeah when i i married my wife no i did not really put ask for a sign there i didn't but as i was doing my studies and what what you know we we went up to the the extent of saying because uh, our uh, prophetess margarita was busy telling us that uh, christ was very soon coming back Therefore, we who are still reading our books or studying, we're just wasting our time. And so um, um, I was at the point, I was in my secondary school level four, and I, I started questioning that. And I, I wanted to have signs whether God really wanted me to continue with my studies or not. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, uh, because, uh, yes, yeah, so I wanted to see a sign because I know what if Christ comes. And I'm I'm reading books. How, what are they going to help me? They, can, they cannot help me in any way. So I wanted to see wow. a sign. Well, yeah, obviously then the sign that I want I wanted to see. I said, no, let me go to to, to my uh, at the end of the year we need to do our exa- exam. Then I, I'm not going to read at all. I'm not going to revise my books, but I want to excel and be first. Yes, yes. So if I excel without really re- revising my books, then God wants me to to continue with my studies. If I fail, then I abandon everything. <laughs> and I can't... Re- I- <laughs> Brother, I'll never forget we are doing our paper in mathematics, examination paper. And uh, I put my eyes on the paper, brother. I, 
I, okay, first of all, I have to, to admit that I was not good at science, science subjects. I was doing well with at, at, at subjects. So now this is mathematics that's used to give me a time. I didn't want to revise with my friends, my, my colleagues. I didn't want to. So I just went there to, uh, testing God. So brother, I could only see stars on the paper. You know, I could see my colleagues writing answers, but I, 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 did not, I, I didn't have anything to write. Uh, to the uh, uh, towards the end, when they told the, the uh, invigilator told us that now you are left with only ten minutes, I started sweating, brother, real sweat, because I know that mathematics had many marks. So failing that really, that I'll be really towards failing the, the whole course. Now imagine, why am I sweating now? Because it, I had put it as a sign, but I'm still sweating because I I I, I might fail. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, I did fail. I failed. So after failing, <laughs> the funny part of it, did I stop? Because remember, <laughs> I wanted it to work as a sign. If I fail, then I stop. If I pass, then God wants me to continue my studies. I failed, but I continued because I'm I, I through the advices of other friends and relatives. I continued. Yeah, so you see, now, I would have stopped my, my studies from at that level, but I didn't. So you see, it's just playing around with God, misinterpreting scripture, some passages of scripture. But brother, we, we did. That's just one of the many examples. We tried. I saw friends. I saw the, the people in my prayer room who did tried signs. So I, it was just part of my, my life. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, I think if we're honest, a, a great majority of people looking for signs is just people who are wanting to validate what they're already feeling or wanting to do or not exactly. wanting to do. Right. Because as you well said, um, you, you got the quote unquote sign you asked for. But you didn't stop mm. studying. Now, thank God. I didn't. <laughs> you went on to go to university and all. I'm thankful for that. But, but you, so you, you, it was never really a serious thing anyway, because you continued on. And, mm. and this guy, too, I got, I got another story. Brother, I mean, here's the reality uh, before I share the next story. Looking for signs is exactly the same thing as reading tea leaves, reading the horoscope, looking at the stars. It is a pagan practice in every way, shape, and form, and, sure. and we need to understand that. L listen to this next example, brother. So this is by uh, from a guy named Bill Hybels. Uh, he's a disgraced former pastor. He writes in, a, in his book, The Power of a Whisper, how he is seeking a word from the Lord and how God wasn't speaking to him. Now, the account in the book... Uh, you're gonna love this brother the account in the book goes on to say how he was fishing one day so he's out on his little on his boat fishing and mm -hmm. a beer can floats by his boat a bud light mm. beer can in the water and he says quote i sat there staring at the can he said i wondered is this a message from god if so what Ooh. does it mean am i supposed to drink bud light he says Am I supposed to tell my people not to drink Bud Light? And then he says, I wonder if there's a message inside the can. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay, what, what, <laughs> talk, talk to me, Bill. What's going on so, in that brain of yours? No, <laughs> because I don't, you mean, you mean, the, the can just came from, no, from nowhere into so the boat. It's just trash and, floating on the water in front of his boat and he oh. sees it. And he, 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 wants, he starts interpreting now the, to know whether what God wanted to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I just, I want to dissect this story just a little bit. Can you imagine sitting in a, in a boat, in a fishing boat, and you see some trash floating across the, the lake, right? And in the trash mm -hmm. is a beer can, and you stop to think, I wonder if God wants me to start drinking beer. <laughs> I, that is, I just cannot imagine the, the lack of just mental awareness uh, it takes for a person to do something like that. Um, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, what, what would you guys think if, if someone were, 
you know, what if you're in the river and a hippopotamus floats by? Are you going to wonder if God wants you to jump on the hippopotamus no. and ride him back to the shore, maybe? <laughs> I mean, I just... No. <laughs> uh, yeah, here also, brother, you see, there are some... Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, good at, at birds' names like uh, uh, Brother Conrad Mbewe uh, or you, but th th we have some type of very white birds here. We call them Nyange Nyange in Kiswahili. Yeah, so this Nyange Nyange, very white without any spot. So now, um, you know, I, I grew up knowing that, uh, okay, just culturally, traditionally, that if it, uh, it, 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 it throws its poop on you, that's just some good luck. You know, maybe if it, yeah, so you're going to encounter some maybe okay. money or what. And then it, it, I was walking with a guy and it threw it, its poop on him. And then, oh, yes, this is the sign that I'm going to serve God as a pastor. I'm sorry. This is, oh, brother, I'm yes, having right. such a hard time yeah. believing that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. You know, I, I, again, brother, in Africa, it's a bit worse because of our superstition, you know, right. <laughs> our right. African tra traditional religion. Yeah, so we believe in many, many things. So now when, when we mix religion in, in our African belief, traditional beliefs, yeah. then it becomes worse. So now the, the, the poopoo, and this guy did not, could not wipe the poopoo of the birds because this is a, a sign from God that is going to serve him. Now oh, ask yourself, brother, where do you f find that in scripture? Or which which voice, which God told you that if, if that bird throws its poop on you, then you'll be a servant <laughs> of God. How many people, <laughs> how, how many people have received that, the same, have gone through the same experience? Have they become servants of God, mighty servants of God? Yeah, so to, sincerely speaking, brother, we have a lot of examples that we can share with our listeners about these signs. Yeah. But sincerely speaking, if, if they can just try to think together with us scripturally, this thing is not from God to speak the truth. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm not laughing at the person, but I mean, brother, the idea of uh, a bird... Uh, I'm, you know, we're both bald, so that just frightens me to death. Um, I, I don't need any bird blessings dropped on my head. But uh, yeah, I, and and you know, in the Western Church, uh, we we do we do similar. It's the same thing as the floating beer can story. It's the same thing as the guy who, uh, you know. If the girl shows up in a purple dress, he knows she's supposed to be his wife. Uh, or how about this one, brother? This one is is a more sneaky one, and it probably happens a lot more in Reformed churches than you imagine. What about when guys open their Bible just to a random place and put their finger in the Bible and say, okay, this is random. This must be what God wants to say today. And they read that verse. And then they try to fit it into something God's doing in their life or they think God's doing. What, what about that? I, I don't know, brother, when you, you, you bring that up, I don't, I don't remember how many times I did that myself. <laughs> you know, you just close your eyes, you get the Bible and you say, God wants to give me a message. And you open and you start reading that page, believing that God, God's message is there. Oh, it, no, no. Yeah, even myself, I did that. And, but, and I've seen people do it in the Reformed Church, right? They'll, oh, they'll, no, brother. They'll sit down. Get serious. In I've, the Reformed Church? Absolutely, I've heard it. And, and it's, le it's more subtle. It's kind of like you just open your Bible and you start reading in a random place. And mm. they may not make a big deal out of it, but, but genuinely, they'll read the passage and then, and then, you know, they'll open up to Jeremiah 29, 11. And then it says, you know, I have, a, oh, yeah. you know, I have the plans for you, uh, plans to prosper you or whatever, whatever. And they'll think, yeah, you know, I've really been, I've really been down and, and that's just such a good encouraging word. And God, you know, God surely wanted me to have that today. Um, I, that's reading signs right now. I'm not saying in God's providence that he doesn't speak to us in, in very poignant ways as we're reading through scripture. So brother, we got disconnected there, but uh, we were talking about how a lot of guys, even in the reformed church will look for signs by way of opening their Bible, kind of putting their finger on a passage and, 
start reading and then, you know, try to eisegete that into their current life situation, you know, as, as though that were, as though the Bible were some fortune cookie, you crack it open, put your finger on a verse, and then you have your fortune for the day. Um, <laughs> and you, you I, 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 I didn't know that even some reform, reform guys can do it, something like that, because I haven't seen one myself. That's why I may be surprised. Yeah, well, this is the way it would happen in the Reformed Church. You know, you open your Bible, you do your morning reading, and you come across a, a, a passage, and, you know, the passage is talking about, I don't know, Abraham moving, right? And you think, well, I've been thinking about moving. Maybe God's trying to let me know from my morning studies that I really should be moving, right, out of my hometown. <clears throat> yeah, well, but that's it, right? And then, and then, because you go, well, I've been thinking about moving from my city, and now this morning I'm reading about how Abraham had to move from his city. So maybe this is God, you know, telling me this is the right thing. But we do that, right? It happens in even just in the regular evangelical church. If you don't believe me, you can listen to some of the stuff Beth Moore has said. I mean, wow. It, you know what, what if you land what if you land on the, the passage you, uh, where Abraham is asked to sacrifice Isaac yeah I don't know what you do with that one you just skip it because clearly that one is not from the Lord <laughs> <laughs> but we but we do that and and see here's the thing can you imagine well we both know right how stressful your life would be if you have to interpret whether or not God is trying to speak to you through signs i mean how stressful would your life be if you have to decide whether or not god is trying to speak to you through a floating beer can mm, imagine. right i mean it, if you just think about it right just take a step back and think about doing that kind of thing it really is absurd furthermore and, and more of the issue is that it makes god seem as though he's some kind of where's waldo trickster he's hiding clues in the picture of life so if you find them you win the prize and the prize is some special revelation um concerning god's will for our life that's not sure. the god we serve right no um not at all god is not sending hidden coded messages for us to solve god's not sending floating beer cans past you while you're fishing just to see if you can guess the will of his life for you. God's not causing women in purple dresses to show up on Sunday morning to prove that she's to be your future wife. Um, God just isn't doing those types of things. Vodi Bakum gives a really good example of this same thing. And I can't recall the specific details of the story he shares, but I kind of want to capture the essence of it um, in, in telling a similar story. So I, I'm going to share the story he shares and I'll just change details as I can't remember, you know, but basically he talks about, he gives an example of a lady who is kind of fed up with her job, right? Normal lady in a normal evangelical church, um, you know, Christian lady, she's fed up with her job. She wants to be doing something she feels is of value to the Lord. And she starts wondering if maybe she should be a missionary, perfectly valid thought right? I wonder if God's calling me to be a missionary, uh, her and her husband. So shortly afterwards, a missionary then visits their church and starts talking about how um, they all need to serve Christ more and how they need to think about and consider being missionary somewhere. So the lady goes home, she's excited, and she, she goes home thinking, wow, I was just considering missionary work the other day, and now this missionary shows up at our church, and his message is that more people should be missionaries. I wonder if this is God giving me a sign. Now, no. she, yeah, and so she starts pondering where she might want to go and where her and her husband might could serve the Lord best. And she thinks to herself, you know, I've always loved South Africa. Later, her husband comes home from work and he decides that he is exhausted. He just wants to turn on the television and watch a rugby match on TV. And while the screen is running, the scores for all the foreign rugby teams shows up and South Africa's team 
is one of them. And she says, aha, mm -hmm. God <laughs> must want us to go to South Africa. He's just confirmed it twice. Once with oh, the missionary no. that came to the church. And now hey. God is showing me the South African rugby team on TV. It must be a sign. Hey, maybe. <laughs> These are the types of missionaries we are receiving in Africa the most. Oh, oh, brother. <laughs> and and so and so Vodi tells some similar story, but that is absolutely pagan. That's pagan, brother. I agree with you. And unfortunately, these similar types of things happen too frequently in the church today. And and as wow. we've said, unfortunately, they're godless practices. You know, and this happens all throughout the evangelical church in different ways. And we've got extreme examples all the way from the guy who's fishing and thinks God is sending him a message in a beer can to, you know, the, the God-fearing, God-loving uh, evangelical couple who hear a missionary talk and then think God is sending them a message that maybe they should be a missionary. You know, we, we get all of that. Um, Don't tell you. They'll tell you, but, but you find it in the Old Testament in many places. You see signs asking for signs. So they, they try to support their superstitious ideas or practices with, with the Old Testament. Because at least in the New Testament, I don't see much of signs, although you can see somewhere here and there. But more, they like to go to the Old Testament. So, brother, you know, I forgot to send you my notes for this show, but it's almost like you're a prophet because that is the very next uh, next item on my notes. It, in fact, wow. it, sa it says this very thing next in my notes. There are some verses that people occasionally use to justify this type of thinking. One of them is found in Amos 3.7. So let's just go there since you've jumped there. You, yes. you must be a prophet, brother. Uh, <laughs> but it, So it says, all right, Amos 3.7, because that's a good point. People bring that up. It says, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servant, the prophets. Well, that's mm -hmm. true. In the Old Testament, God clearly worked through his prophets. But there's a couple things here. Uh, first and foremost, we no longer have prophets. Yeah. Right? The final yeah. prophet was Jesus Christ. We'll get to some verses that talk about that in a moment. Um, we've covered this in other podcasts, in fact, uh, about the gifts. Um, but secondly, the quote, I wonder if God is telling me something by floating this beer can down the river, said no prophet ever. <laughs> That is not how God even spoke to the prophets. God spoke clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. to his prophets. And in fact, I want to just look at like seven or eight of them just real briefly. This is how God mm -hmm. spoke in the Old Testament to some of his prophets. Isaiah, he heard the audible voice of God. Jeremiah mm -hmm. heard the audible voice of God. Ezekiel, the audible voice of God. Daniel, the audible voice of God. Hosea, the audible voice of God. Daniel, again, through angels, right? audible voices balaam god made a donkey speak in an audible yeah. voice right and then an angel appeared to him speaking in an audible voice moses god spoke through a burning bush and we also know god used dreams and visions which are different things but but the point is that there is not one single prophet in the Old Testament who had to scratch his head and wonder, is this God talking to me or is this just my imagination? That never oh. happened. Sure. But you also know, brother, how our Lord Jesus Christ always had issues with the Pharisees, the scribes, and, and Sadducees during his ministry down here. And now, it's amazing to find that in the New Testament, People who were fond of asking for signs and for signs are these, these groups, the scribes, the Pharisees and Sadducees. If you, you read Matthew 12, 38 up to 40, you'll find that really these are the guys who wanted also Luke 11, 14 up to 16. Let me just first quickly read here Matthew um, 12, um, 38 up to 40. And it says this, brother, it says then, some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. So you can see it at the 39. He answered, A wicked and adult asked for a miraculous sign, 
but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For us, Jonah came. So you see that that's, even if you, you read again Luke eleven fourteen up to sixteen again, you see that these um, groups of religious people wanted signs they, before they could believe anything. They wanted to see signs, and again. According to Luke 23:8, King Herod was also hoping for a sign. King Herod was not a believer. So Jesus, and also you find that the disciples of Christ also asked or asking Jesus their master for a sign, and Jesus, Jesus' answer was indirect when they asked him for a sign in Matthew 24, verse 3 and forward. So you can see, I'm just trying to, I was trying to make my search uh, in the New Testament of where these people can really have a shelter. These people want signs and I, I don't see. Instead, I see that signs really uh, are not found anywhere. You just need to trust the Lord because the biggest sign that we have uh, uh, in, on this other side is, is the scripture. Yeah, God yeah. gave us all his his promises are there. So, by the way, me I I find it that uh, whoever wants to to ask for signs from the Lord, then you 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 just put scripture under your feet because scripture is enough. As, as you've just told us, all those or uh, prophets in the Old Testament, how they heard God audibly. Even us, we are also hearing God audibly through reading of scripture. So why signs again? And yeah, so you can see even, even Paul's attitude towards sign seeking was negative. It was not positive when you you scrutinize First um, Corinthians one twenty one up to twenty four. These are asking for signs, and those ones are asking for no knowledge and no wisdom. So you see why signs? You see, brother. So I'm just I was just uh, trying to help our audience see that in the in the New Testament, we don't see signs anywhere. We need to trust God. And yeah, we, yeah. We, we don't, the, the New Testament tells us that we walk well by faith, not by sight. So you need to trust God. You need to pray, but not just those vain signs. You conceive something in, in, in your heart, maybe sinful, and you want to just smear it with these fake signs. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think it was our brother, Justin Peters, who said, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read it out loud. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which, which you've just cool. said. That's that's just the reality. God does speak to us, but he does so not by signs or lifelike fortune cookies, but through his word. Um, in fact, yeah. if we go to Hebrews 12, 2, and, and I want to read that, it says this mm. in these last days. He has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. So Jesus is how God has spoken to us in these last days. And everything that Christ wanted us to know, everything that God wanted to say and have for us as a record, he did so through Christ. And we have a written record of that. We have an infallible, inerrant, sufficient, authoritative, and final word the Bible, and that is how God speaks to us today, is through Scripture. Seeking signs is all about answering the question, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Right? Um, I mean, I so I, I remember a, a, another story now, brother, who, uh, and I'll just change the details a little bit, but th there's a guy in a supermarket, he's looking at the vegetables, and he's asking the Lord, which vegetables does he want him to buy? Because oh, no. he wants to be in the will of God for his life. No, man, just eat the vegetables that you like. Don't buy the ones that you don't like. God doesn't care whether you eat sure. carrots or celery. Just buy one, right? Buy the one your wife likes. But I mean, it's that kind of thing, you know? So what is the will of God for your life? The irony is that the Bible specifically tells us what the will of God is for your life. First Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So do, do whatever you want to do using the gifts and the talents and the things God has, the things God has given you. If you feel, you know, like you're 
called to be a missionary or a pastor, we go through the normal process of determining whether yeah. or not that's true. You go to your sure. elders, they'll confirm it or they'll deny it. Your peers mm. should confirm or deny it. You use wisdom, you look at your giftings, right? And then you go through the processes. But the will of God is abundantly clear in scripture. It's that we give thanks for everything that is the God's will for us in Christ Jesus. You know, also you can go to Romans 12 and I'm going to get to that. God's will for our life is that we are not conformed to this world, right? Yeah. But, but that our minds are renewed by the word of God. And as our minds are renewed by the word of God, we will more naturally um, find ourselves doing those things which are in the will of God, um, living a holy life. If you want to know the will of God for your life, pursue a holy, godly life, right? Mm, um, yeah. Now, brother, I know that some people are probably thinking, well, I don't look for signs. I've never done anything like that. Uh, that might be true, but it also happens this way. Here's another way that we would find this more in probably our circles. So let's say you're trying to make a big, you're trying to make a big decision. Maybe moving to another state or taking a new job and you pray and you pray or pray. Or, I mean, like my wife and I over a year ago uh, decided that we wanted to, you know, uh, be missionaries. And so you've got this big decision, right? Well, here's a phrase that is equivalent to looking for signs. You'll know it's God if you have peace about it. If God will just give me a peace about it. Have mm -hmm. you ever heard that one, brother? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have, brother. Uh, and and it's although it, it's as though looking for peace will prove that it's God's will, uh, but it's the same thing. Doing that is no different than the the guy opening his Bible, sticking his finger in a verse, and saying, "Okay, God is speaking to me today through this verse." It's the same mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Just yeah, because same, yeah. just because you have peace about something doesn't mean it's from God. Sure, I agree. I can give one example to prove that. Many mm. women have a so-called peace about murdering their innocent un unborn children. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Clearly, that is not from God. Many men have a so-called peace about adultery, and mm. yet that is clearly not of God. But a lot of Christians will say, I'm praying about it, and if God gives me peace about it, then I'll know it's from no, God. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we see uh, many pastors here, because someone can say, okay, those are women who are not believers who are murdering their babies. But even inside church, we see people who have peace, and yet the, the will of God is, is absent. They send the money to the church to do the work of the church. You channel it into your own ways, but you you have peace, and you say, ah, because I've not had any problem inside me, then this is God's will, and you you've stolen money. Yeah. So, uh, sincerely speaking, um, since, uh, simply because you've heard peace, of you are experiencing some peace over something. That's the will of God. No, no, it, it can't really, it can't be. I mean, here's the reality. Our conscience can be retrained to have a worldly conscience, which would give us yeah, peace, yeah, yeah. which would give us peace, so-called peace about lots of things that God doesn't mm. ordain and isn't okay with doing, right? Mm. Um, and yeah. and th that's one of the reasons, right? Romans says that our minds have to be renewed right mm -hmm. so that the holy spirit works through a retrained conscience works through a renewed mind so the idea that if god gives us peace about something is what we believe then then again that is a pagan practice you're looking for the sign of a yeah. good feeling mm -hmm. so just because i have a good feeling right i can say oh that must be a sign that i'm doing what god wants me to do mm. but also brother here, here's another interesting thing about this inner peace is mm. it's not as though god never asks us to do anything uncomfortable or that we wouldn't want uh -huh. to do right in fact uh -huh. the entire christian life is a battle against sin that's not always peaceful yes. mm -hmm. it's right? not that and I, I think, again, our uh, brother Vodi Bakum uses the example of, um, has God ever led you to confront the sin in someone? 
that's not peaceful to have to confront mm. sin in your brother. I have no peace about that, but we need to do yeah. those things out of love, right? Sure. We're called to pursue holiness and to self-sacrifice. There are lots of times it hurts to serve our mm. brothers and sisters and to self-sacrifice. There's no peace in a lot of those things. What about the Apostle Paul? Undoubtedly, he was sent to the Gentiles, right? None of us would dispute that Paul's ministry was one of being sent to the Gentiles. Let's listen to a few things that he endured while he was clearly doing the true will of the God. Will of God. Yeah. Listen, listen to this from 2 Corinthians. Just see, brother, how much peace you find in these few things. But whatever else anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors. Now listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. A day and a night was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless a night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Whew, that just stressed <laughs> me out a little bit. <laughs> Where is peace there? I mean, if you believe that an inner peace is evidence of God's will for your life, then the Apostle Paul had a rough life for no reason. <laughs> because I think he went through... <laughs> a lot of peaceless times for the sake of the gospel give to our to our listeners the chapter and verse first yeah, corinthians yeah second yeah. corinthians 11 22 through 28 28 Good. go and read that mark it down second corinthians chapter 11 read through that i mean at the end of it he says and apart from all these other things there's mm -hmm. the daily pressure on me of my anxiety which is quite opposite of peace for exactly. all the for all the churches um mm. and and so paul's life was in part largely marked by a lack of peace right mm -hmm. at, at least in terms of the feeling we think of now he had the peace of god that surpasses all knowledge that's a whole different thing right he had mm. a, a joy that transcend his circumstances but that's a quite different thing he clearly had severe anxiety as he says here in his own writing and and so uh dear friends if you're looking for an inner peace just understand that that is a mystical gnostic pagan practice it it does not come from god uh right yeah, sure i mean but not only that listen to another verse brother hebrews 12 11 says this for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Not only is it not peaceful then, right, but we're specifically told that it's painful rather than pleasant. So wow. Wow. if the Christian truly were to think they need a peace about everything, they would ultimately reject all of God's good discipline in their life. Yeah, yeah. Brother, uh, our Lord always said, let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is telling the church. Really, I like this episode, to be, to, to, to be sincere. And whoever has ears, really, should learn something from these words, from this episode. Very helpful. I'm learning things from, from this episode, myself, even as we record it. Very, very important episode. Our friends out there, please take heed to these things that we are doing here so that we we serve the lord the way he wants us to serve him mm -hmm. and not bring in the, the things from pagan world into christianity this is a very important episode brother 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important because it's not just a charismatic Pentecostal issue. Yeah, it's yes. an issue all throughout evangelicalism. So we would just say, you know, if you're feeling like you're a pagan uh, and, and maybe you're doubting your salvation even right now, let me just say God is, is good and his mercies are renewed every day. You can repent and move on and set these things aside. And what we would say is what we say often, sola scriptura. Sola Scriptura. Yes. Scripture alone um, is our final authoritative source for all that we need in life and practice in the Christian faith. And so we read through Scripture. As we read and study Scripture, our minds are renewed. As our minds are renewed, we naturally um, make decisions that are more in line with God's character and purposes. And again, you know, God makes it clear that his will for us is to pursue holiness. His will for us mm -hmm. is to have renewed minds. His will for us is to give thanks in everything as, as we've read. Amen. So we, we have those things. But brother, I want to look at another proof text that's often used, especially in the charismatic Pentecostal circles, um, to attempt to kind of justify this looking for signs. Right. So oftentimes uh, you'll hear guys go to first Kings and I want to read this. Uh, so 1 Kings 19, 11 through 14, I'm going to read from the KJV because this is often the one it comes from. It says this, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel has forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, brother, this is where a lot of the teaching of uh, speaking, God speaking through a small, still voice comes from. Now, you've heard that, right? I feel like God speaking to me yeah. just not audibly, but through that small, still voice. Have you ever heard anything Inside like that? Me. Yeah, many, many times, brother. Um, I have heard that from just lots of broad evangelicals, right? Uh, I mean, I've heard it from Matt Chandler, who is very big in the SBC. Beth Moore talks about it. Um, okay, well, she's got some weird things about God has her build snowmen and such. But anyway, a lot of evangelicals think God speaks to them in the small, still voice. But here's the, here's the problem with that, brother. That small, still voice in that passage was audible. It wasn't an internal impression. Yeah. It wasn't a peaceful feeling. It wasn't an instant insight. Yeah. It was an audible voice that Elijah heard. The, oh. the word used there in the original word means sound, as in an audible sound. So that small, still voice, some translations uh, render it as a whisper or a quiet whisper. That was still an audible voice. So if you're using that passage to, to uh, justify God speaking to you in a small, still voice, just understand that that was an audible voice. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Sure. But also, uh, our friends should really know that uh, asking for, for signs is from the devil because I see uh, in Luke chapter 4, uh, let me get it from verse uh, 9. Um the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guide you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the desert. For, for him to believe that Jesus was god's son he wanted a sign to, mm. that he should throw himself from the pinnacle of the temple so let me see if you don't burst if you don't die down there then i believe that you are the son of god and jesus jesus answer is very clear 
you are not supposed to test the Lord your God. So in other words, asking for signs, okay, two things here. Asking for signs also comes from, from the devil. The devil also asks for signs because even the people of the world do ask for signs. And then two, asking for signs is in some sense putting the Lord your God at test, mm. testing him. Why don't you just trust him? Take him at his word from scripture. When you want God, um, you said you will never forsake me nor abandon me. Um, let me see a sign so that mm. I agree that you you never forsake me. So you are doubting his word. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. asking for signs is putting the Lord to, to the test, doubting him. Yeah, brother, you know what? Let's just, let's think a little more deeply about the idea behind signs granting us the ability to remain faithful or to be steadfast. Um, so I would just call attention to, you know, the Israelites. They've just heard the voice of God from the mountain mm. with Moses audibly, mm. and they are trembling in fear of God. Moses goes up to the mountain. This is, you know, when he's getting the tablets of the law. And what happens? So they've just seen miracle after miracle after sign after sign. They've heard the audible voice of God. It was so thunderous that they were afraid. And Moses is up on the mountain getting the tablets of the law. And what happens? D does Israel remain faithful because they've gotten all these signs and miracles? No. No. They're telling Aaron, make us a God, right? Mm. So they, they are living in what is the most consistently miraculous time of Scripture. They've been yeah. eating every day miraculously. Manna, they grumble and God sends meat into the camp. I mean, it's just miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet it does not help them remain faithful. They, they've just mm. heard the audible voice of God in all of its severity because of the holiness of God. And Aaron is, I mean, Moses is gone on the mountain a little longer than they expect. And already they're like, hey, Aaron, make us a God. And so what does he do? He gathers all the gold and they make this golden calf. Moses comes back and he's infuriated. And, and Aaron, uh, you know, just listen to, to Aaron. Aaron goes, basically... Look, uh, Moses, man, I, I don't know what happened. We put this gold in and just a calf popped out, right? I mean, <laughs> just total <laughs> denial of any responsibility. And I wish I could say that I would have done differently, but probably not because of our wicked sinfulness. And, but, but my point is this, miracles have never kept anyone faithful. I mean, no, not, not much. go to the New Testament, lest someone think, well, the New Testament was different, although you've read this very thing. How many signs and miracles did Jesus do? And they still didn't believe him. In fact, they crucified him. Jesus did miracle after miracle. He healed people. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked. Uh, he was the most joyful, the most perfectly righteous, the most perfectly holy without sin, per perfectly compassionate in every way. Um, he, he never did anything wrong, and it didn't cause the world to love him. It caused them to hate him even the more, and they persecuted him, and yeah. they crucified him. So seeking signs isn't biblical. It's pagan. And, and even beyond that, it has never caused anyone to remain or be faithful anyway. <laughs> you, you know, brother, we're talking about the New Testament. There's, there's another proof text, which um, I've heard a lot when I was in the charismatic mm. church, I, I'm interested to hear if you, to see if you've ever heard this, it comes from John 10, 27. It says this, and, and you know it, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Almost every charismatic Pentecostal pastor I've known, including myself back in the day, mm. use this verse at some time to say, see God's sheep hear the voice of God. Have you ever heard that, brother? It does, it does speak. Yeah, many times. Yeah, it does speak. He has a voice, and we, we hear it every single day. Yeah, okay. That's what they say, yeah. yeah so, all right. So what, what are some of the other ways, brother, you have seen people use this? What are some of the things that people have said God's speaking to them through that you've experienced? Yeah, normally, normally you know, they, they, 
here mostly it's uh, your own conscience so what, whatever you if you are god's child then they believe, that, they believe that whatever you see in your conscience that's god's voice yeah so and you need to follow that otherwise you'll be disobedient to god's voice so your conscience because he speaks and and that's that's why here in uganda there's this phrase that is really common god told me god has told me so it, everywhere it, it began from the pastors and their prophets and apostles down to the normal church members now everyone even comes to me and say bill god has told me that you 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 saw this car of yours to me god has so god has told me also was built from that very scripture yes so yeah so even like you you are you are now white a muzungu when you come down here you you'll you'll hear a lot of god has told me you should give me money for transport to go to my home village god has told me because they believe that god speaks to his children therefore whatever they conceive inside their mind is god has said yeah well i mean even even god can say i'll slap you in jesus name and be okay with it <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, they do slap people in Jesus' name here. Yeah. We we talked. That was our last episode in in the in Jesus' name episode. If you hadn't heard that, you should go back and listen to it. But um, yeah. So what you're talking about, brother, is just the common, very common notion of having peace about something and that being an evidence. Really, if we're honest, and you and I both know that we did this as charismatics, it was just whatever we wanted and felt like we wanted to do. And if you say, God's given me peace about it, it just prevents anyone from challenging you, right? Because who can argue with yes, God? Yes. No one can argue Not with even God. your pastors. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And, and so in the charismatic church, I think it's a lot more devious, but in the evangelical church, um, it, it's just a pagan, ungodly practice from well-meaning, God-fearing, God-loving, true Christians who just have mm. some, some poor theology in that area. And so I hope that, you know, we've given a little bit of, of light to that. Um, it, so I want, we were just getting to, or we were just talking about that passage in, in John 10. I want to talk about that passage. You know, like we said, this is often misused. My sheep hear my voice. Well, the problem with using that verse is it isn't even remotely in the same ballpark as hearing God's voice in terms of some kind of special revelatory secret will. That is so outside of the context of that verse. So what does that verse really mean if it doesn't mean God's children hear his voice daily regularly? Well, let's just read some of the rest of it, right, to get some context. Go on to verses 28 and 29. It says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And it says, and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Yeah. So basically this verse, what it's talking about is God's elect hearing the effectual call to salvation. This is about salvation and how those who belong to God, God's sheep, God's elect, hear his voice unto salvation. So this verse is talking about God's elect hearing the effectual call to salvation. It's about salvation and those who belong to God, God's sheep, God's elect hear his voice unto salvation. So this verse literally has nothing to do with hearing some kind of small, still voice. To use it that way is actually to diminish the beauty of the whole passage. This, yes. this, is, one of, this is one of our foundational doctrines. All of God's elect mm. will come to him because God's elect will hear his voice and ultimately they will respond to God's saving grace. That's what this passage is talking yeah. about. It, those are some of the big passages that we get that are often misused, taken out of context. And so, Bill, uh, just kind of as we wrap this up, any last words, last thoughts from you? I just, uh, we've just uh, everything just to uh, encourage our dear listeners, especially those who uh, love the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are born again Christians already, to, to learn to obey the word of God 
and try to interpret it correctly rather than just uh, bringing in our own thoughts and experiences. To end by encouraging our audience to uh, obey God through his word and he gave us everything, he put everything for us in his word. Uh, let um, abandon this, this rethink what we used to think before maybe we came up to tell you that this is mostly pagan. We used to think that it was biblical, it was good, but now I think you've, you've seen, we've taken you through scripture, trying to show you really that you need to, to trust and obey God uh, by faith. We don't need any sign. Just trust the Lord your God mm -hmm. and uh, serve Him by faith. Because uh, asking for signs, as I said, is uh, putting God to test. Asking for signs is not obeying scripture alone. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good word, Bill. In in closing, two, three things. Um, if you're looking for the will of God, this is how we can get there. Seek wise counsel, right? If you're making decisions, seek wise counsel. Proverbs is filled with that. Proverbs 12, Proverbs 13, uh, Romans 15. Then pray for wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8. God gives us wisdom as we pray. We trust him for that. And then read, study, and obey the word of God. And if you do those things, you can confidently believe that you are going to be in line with the will of God. And then lastly, remember 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Um, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So with that, guys, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Just want to remind you a second time, we would love to get some feedback from you. Email us at truthbeknownpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known Podcast, hosted by Bill Issa and Nathaniel Jolly is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program, serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device, or listen online at anchor.fm forward slash truthbeknown.